Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its loads of nights. We fought our team through thick and thin and all those glory nights. And when the game is done, we'll sing a song and talk it out all night. Hey! Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow. You are the first team. Hi, it's episode 29, season 5 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Jav. Joining me this week after a free week and one day hiatus, um, it's been quite a quite a break. Um, but we're back. Um, joining me this week, David Fornell from Sussex. Hi there. And Zoe Pearson from Watford. Hi, guys. Right. Um, let's begin with um, Liverpool. Um, thoughts on yesterday. Um, Liverpool, um, in back in 2008, was um, it was awarded the, uh, the, the, the the it was it was uh, the um, given the award of European City um, for culture, um, apparently. In 2008, they, they, they won that award. Um, Liverpool is a complete and utter shithole. From the moment you get there, driving through, um, their stadium is a dump, um, and the fans aren't particularly nice, um, and it's very difficult to make out um, what what they say, and uh, there's nothing really good that's come out of Liverpool, apart from maybe the Beatles, uh, Jodie Comer, possibly. Um, and that's about it. Um, and I'm not bitter in any shape, way, or form. Um, Zoe, um, should we talk about the game? I was going to say, do you feel better now, Jeff? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I think... Oh, I was sitting thinking, do, do we have to talk about the game? Oh, gosh. It was just... The performance itself in the first half was not brilliant, but... You know, we were quite lucky that we weren't further behind at 1-0. They managed to pull our noses back in front to 1-1. And you think, Do you know what, this is where we feel like the, the the game craft needs to be, you know, almost drilled into their heads. Like, you know, just, just come away with a point now. That's all we, you know, I don't think any of us really expected a win at Anfield. But, you know, we managed to get us, claw ourselves back into the game. So you think, right, let's just come away with a point and go to the new ground and, and, and start as we mean to go on. And then, oh, I mean, I can't even describe this, their second goal. It was just calamitous again at the back. And oh, every time I come on the pod, it's either some sort of defensive error that we've, uh, that we've conceded from or a Hugo Lloris has flapped another chance. And it's like, you can only defend it for so long. And I, you, you guys both know I've been a staunch Laurie supporter when all the stuff was going on about how his performances were before and I always said like you know he's our club captain invariably he's our first name on the team sheet but it's in these massive occasions that the light, spotlight is shone up so brightly on him because you know it, it seems to be the case that he always tends to slip up on the big stage. And this is the guy that's won the World Cup. And it's hard to understand exactly why he does. But it was just the most horrible sucker punch in the worst point in the match. Because there was hardly any time to claw ourselves back into it again. And to be honest, after that, I couldn't really see us um, 
forming any sort of way back into the game anyway. But um, am I surprised we lost? No. Did I expect to win? No. But to have come so close to getting a point and then essentially throwing the ball into our own net, it's, it's tough to take, mm. really tough to take. David, it was a long drive back um, and we tried our best not to talk about the football and I think we, I think it's safe to say that we that we managed to avoid talking about the game yesterday. But um, here we are. Um, thoughts and reflections on yesterday? Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, going to have some glass of water. Hold on. Oh, is that bad? I had to choke. Um, well, I've had 24 hours to reflect. I've watched it again on TV this afternoon now. And I can be more subjective. <coughs> um, after the game, you're within seconds of that winner. And so like everybody's watching it on the TV. We're feeling the same. Deflated doesn't cover it. Um in the worst, as you said, so in the worst way, it was just a, a, a <laughs> calamitous errors um, going through, going on there. I couldn't see it. I wasn't sure what had happened. It was just a melee down the other end. And it's only when I got hold home did I see it. But here's the perspective. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to get a glass of water. Sorry, it's the end of a cold. Um, during that first half. Alison Becker made three errors, three errors, and they were just ridiculous ones. And he got away with each one. He came out, hit him on the side of the head, it hit his defender on the side of the head, and then bounced to him. And it was inches of Deli Alley turning and getting it. Larice makes an error. We pay the ultimate price. First half, we start with a back five. I think Klopp looked at the team sheet and decided to push his fullbacks on a little harder because there's going to be space behind our fullbacks if they're pushing on and joining into the midfield. And he got joy from that. There was that moment, and that was down our end, um, where that ball did come out to Robertson and Trippier looked up and, and he looked, he could... This is what I think um, Pochettino gets his players, they... they they close in together that back line and they, they tighten in. And then once the ball's gone out, they go out to them. Now, now, a lot of sides do this. But he took a second too long to make that decision. He looked round and he looked at Toby and he asked Toby to pick up the player he was with. And then he went. By the time he got there, that ball was then sent in. It was a, it was a great ball and a great run. I, I applaud him for that. Got between us. Thanks very much. We suffer again because of that not being able to defend and in that centre-back position to win it. Nobody was with them. It's just that momentary lapse of concentration again and not cutting out the cross. So now we're 1-0 down. And that, that, again, we, we suffer this. We slowly drag ourselves back into the game. At half-time, we're 1-0 down. I think we're in the game. Right, fine. See what see what happens second half for sure. Pochettino changes it, makes little tweaks to it. Um, we come out second half, and I have to say we I thought we gave them a right old roasting at times. We were all over them uh, at, at moments. I can't think of anything else Loris had to particularly do. 
there were a couple of little ones as a tip over the bar, which was, I don't say speculative, I don't think it was a shot. I, I think he crossed it and he, he miscued it. There wasn't much for him to do. And yet we had our moments. So I look back at the game and I think, you know, you know what? We were very, very unlucky, certainly not to come away with a point. Mm-hmm. And unlucky, actually not to come away with a win. I know they were giving uh, Van Dyke all the plaudits, and rightfully so. We spoke about this uh, yesterday, Jared, about his coming across. He could see it was um, Sissoko. He decided to push Sissoko wider on his left foot and ask, ask questions of him. He knew that Sissoko was going to struggle on that one, and sure he did. It was that moment. If that was Sonny, that was in the net. I'm sure of it. That would have been in the net. And, but he couldn't have got it across to Sonny. Sissoko did the right thing. But moments, isn't it? And all I'm talking about, once again, are moments in the game. And there's not that many, but Becker gets away with it. Hugo doesn't. Now, I'm not going to um, defend Lloris for this one. Uh, like you, uh, Zoe, I, 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 I said yesterday before the game, I like to remember my, my thoughts and what the, the lineup was going to be. And I was quite close to the lineup this time. Um, and I, I gave Lloris one of the top six in the world. But I'm sure a lot of Spurs supporters would argue with me today over that. That's thought. Top six in the world. The problem is, and I'm going to banter on about it just for a second. The problem is, I think he's being asked to do things that are outside of his skill set. All the goalkeepers, top goalkeepers around the world being signed are all great on the ball. They're good shot stoppers. They're good sweeper keepers. But more than anything, they're able to join in and play the ball around the back and ping balls 40, 50 yards. And I think we're asking Hugo to do that. That's what cost us on the first goal. His ball out was was dreadful because we're straight under pressure. And that's my only excuse for the back line. They were slightly out of position. Once that ball had come in, we'd not really picked up at that stage. We're asking, uh, maybe we're asking too much of him um, that he hasn't got that skill set to, to play that ball out. I mean, if we go back 30, 40 years, it was simple. If you got, you know, talk about Liverpool, Keegan and Toshak, a big man, little man. That's what he used to play. They would give it to, to Lawrence in goal, um, pass it back to him, and he'd just lump. You know, you knew he was going to do. They, that's all we ever did. Never threw it out. In fact, they would ask questions if any goalkeeper threw it out to their defenders. Don't do that. You're taking a risk. Kick it down the pitch. Toshak would win it. Keegan would run on. That's what we always did. Not now. It's complete opposite. We ask not to kick it up in the air. And, and certainly against Liverpool because Van Dijk is probably going to win it with comfort. So we have to roll it out. We have to kick it out. And it's putting us under pressure. It's a real shame because Liverpool were under pressure. I could see they were under pressure. And that goal at the end just changed everybody's demeanour there. You know, our demeanour because we were deflated. Liverpool's because they thought they'd won the cup. And everything was, changed. Was Hugo at fault for both goals? So, firstly, the second goal? Absolutely. Yeah, OK. I, I, I assume, Zoe, you'd agree with that as well? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. The first goal. Um, so, I saw it at the time in the stadium but I didn't have the best view. And I, I haven't seen it subsequently because although I've seen the, go- I've seen the goal, I haven't seen the build-up. Build to it fully from the point at which Robertson uh, crossed it but from what I recall um, 
uh, one of our defenders passed it back to Hugo and he kicked it straight to a Liverpool player. Um, there was a build-up of play and before you know it, Robertson's got the ball, crosses it, Firmino scores. Um, was he at fault for that? Or no, was... not a chance. Not a chance. No, I mean, it, it was such a good ball in. I know he had time. He, he, he was almost on the corner of the box when he got the cross in, so he really did look up, but he pinged it with pace. There's no way he could have was come out. For, no, no. Was he at fault, though, for giving the ball away in the first place? Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah. or, 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 do, was... or, or do we just say that he gave the ball away, but other stuff happened in, in, in between and Well yes, it's more it's it's more than that, but he didn't but look, any goal is rarely one one player's fault. Um there there are moments before it you can point fingers, can't you? When a cross comes in, you can turn around and say, Well, you know, if they if you've got a guy like Peter Kraut, shall we say, who's six foot seven, very difficult to challenge in the box or Andy Carroll there's not much you can do about them. If it's in the right place, they're going to win it. So what you do is you cut the cross out. Well, um, we didn't cut the cross out. Uh, a Trippier didn't get out quick enough. He was looking for cover behind him and he took too long to get there. So he, he really did sort of um, just open up that channel for Robertson to say, you know, there you are. You can cross it through there. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, you, you're right. Loris is kicking. He wasn't under that much pressure. It was flat, straight out. And I think it was Henderson was on the edge of the semi uh, on the circle in the centre, um, under no real pressure himself, just to play it. Yeah. Okay. Before we sort of discuss the game any further, I just want to focus a little bit more on Lloris because of the, the, the mistakes he made not only yesterday but um, you know, at various times this season he's been a point of discussion for for mistakes that he've, he's, he's made, the where we're questioning him. And then there have been times, I think, I think Dortmund possibly away recently, where he's he's played really well. Even even Dortmund at home, I, I seem to recall he made a fantastic save when it was nil-nil-nil. Or um, uh, it might have been one-nil. We, 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 we were up and, and uh, you're then starting to, to actually question yourself when you're criticising Lloris. Um, and you think, actually, no, no he's, he's a really good goalkeeper we shouldn't be so harsh and um, there's obviously the, the, the off-field incident earlier earlier this season sorry at the start of season um when he was done for drink driving which wasn't didn't particularly cover himself and the club in glory um and here we are again today we're talking about Lloris so um some questions from uh firstly Darren Pamenter who says another Hugo Klanger what do we do about our keeper options? Stick or twist? Could we afford to get someone better? And then John Steggles, are we done with Larice now? And a follow-up from that, Ken, Ken Goodrich points out that Larice is apparently joint seconds um, for errors leading to goals in the Premier League since 2016 with eight goals. So that's one fewer than Jordan Pickford. Now, that figure might be slightly dis- uh, uh, distorted insofar as there have been some other goalkeepers that have played in the league uh, more recently, I think 2017 onwards, um, the lad at Man City, and it's only been this season that, um, uh, what's his name? Alisson. Yeah, has been at Liverpool. So, But certainly, if you're going to put him up there with Pickford and De Gea and various others who have been in the league since 2016, um, that's not that's not particularly good. So, where do we go from here? I mean, is it, is it the end of the road for 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 Larice? And in the short term, do, um, next game should Pochettino um, drop him and and, and select Gasaniga? Should he drop the club captain? Um, and longer term, is is Larice the solution? 
Well, I, I may, sorry, so I'm going to inject it quickly in here because I feel a bit passionate about this one. Um, it, it's here we are. I, I said right at the start about Becker today, Alison Becker. Um, three mistakes. He made more than Loris did, and he cost 56 million, and it will rise to 62 once he's got so many appearances. 62 million. So when we're saying um, replace Loris. I know everybody's going to say, well, Gazaniga's just sitting there waiting to go. And I agree. Um, but that's the sort of money now, the silly money we've got to pay for somebody who may only play as well as Larice. And what those stats don't tell you is what Be Becker did yesterday was fumble three, but get away with it. And it could be that Pickford fumbled another 20, but got away with it. Whereas Larice has fumbled only another three and... <laughs> and got away with it. it it doesn't tell you how many fumbles it what it does tell you is that they didn't get away with the fumble so those those stats are a little bit twisted for me um so i i'm, I'm not sure but i my, my quick feeling is that larice will play on wednesday um because it'd be the first one uh league game in the stadium new stadium and i've got a feeling that yeah, unless he has an absolute outstanding game. I think Gazaniga may well come in. I think he may well be given his his chance because that fumble, when I watched it time and again, when it was it was a dolly header. That's all it was. It was a, a speculative ball. To say that in fact, I think I don't know if anyone else would agree with this, but I think he could have come for the cross on that one. Yep. It was up in the air for so long. Mm. I thought he could have come for it, but he was nervous, and he looked nervous yesterday. And he stayed on his line. And, of course, that's, that's critical. It was a dolly header. He put his hands out, but it hit the tips of his fingers. And poor old Toby, who's doing his job, he's covering his goalkeeper to make sure that nobody comes in and, and batters our goalkeeper. But, of course, it hits his shins. So, you know, Toby's doing his job. It was a pathetic, I'm afraid, yeah, nothing, no other. It was a pathetic attempt at a save. I, I do wonder whether coaches, and, and again, we're going back to this goalkeeper, they're getting him to kick. They also, across the board, get goalkeepers to parry it away rather than catch it. They don't like goalkeepers, seemingly don't like goalkeepers to catch it. So they encourage them to parry. And I do wonder whether in his mind he got caught up in two minds, whether he should parry it or catch it. And a ball like that, I mean, clearly to be caught. And it, and it was just an awful error. Sorry, where you go, Zoe? Because oh, you're a Laurie's fan. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, to be honest. Um, it, you know, it's, as I said, it's 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 the, the light has shone so brightly in because of the occasion and, it, you know, it's live on TV and everyone and his mother is watching and it's just, you know, he can't, he can't be seen to to drop the club captain. This is Pochettino I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I can't I can't see him dropping Hugo. I mean, we had this exact same question a few months ago when I was on the pod. The this, this exact same question was asked: Should we drop Hugo and bring in Gazaniga? And Poch answered us then, and he didn't drop Loris, and he kept Loris in the side, and we didn't see Gazaniga for a good few weeks after. I think at this point we're probably still in the the club cup competition. So I think whichever way we look at it, Gazaniga's opportunities are going to become less and less because we are no longer in the cup competition. So you know, 
realistically, can you see Gazaniga coming in in a Premier League match? The, the only way I could see that ha- happening between now and the, end, and the end of the season, but so few games left, is if Lloris was to pick up an injury. I, I genuinely can't see Poch dropping Lloris, even though the the, the error he made is, is so indefensible. Because like you say, you know, anybody could see that that ball needed to be caught. And at one point, I thought he was going to catch it. Because if you look it back, it, 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 like you say, it does touch the, the tips of his fingers. You think all he, all he has to do is, is clasp his hands around it and, it, and, and lay on it. And, and the ball is his to be won. And I, those are the sort of errors that are so hard to explain. Because I think it's more difficult to explain how, how he's fumbled it than he would have been to catch it. You know, it's, it's a high-pressure situation and... Some people don't deal very well with pressure, and Laurie seems to be one of the a case in point where the bigger the occasion, the more likely he is to 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 make a a calamitous error. But it's like you say, David. You know, it's it's unfortunate for him that his errors are leading to to chances and leading to goals, yeah. whereas others may you know get away with it. Well, Becker uh, certainly got away with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean g- going forward, uh, do we upgrade though? If Daniel Levy's going to part with, like you say, sixty million quid for a goalkeeper, I mean, how old is Hugo now? What, thirty, thirty-one years old? Thirty-two. I, I read somewhere. Is yeah. he thirty-two now? Yeah. So he's not. He's not going to be. He's not going to be picking up any of these um, these stats to improve himself. He's not all of a sudden going to get better at kicking and he's not all of a sudden going to you know well, be able to to play the ball well with his feet if there's he, if there's he's not sorry, sorry to in- interrupt but, um but there is an exception and i suppose it's an exception to the rule um buffon um he wasn't somebody he's 41 um and he's somebody who was a, a solid goalkeeper over the years and, and still is but he's had to adapt um and yeah. now he he can he's perfectly capable of playing the ball ball out from the back um it's not inconceivable for Larice to adapt and learn to do the same having said that i did say he's he's, he's the exception when you consider think players like um who's allowed at chelsea uh check for example um others i'm sure uh, examples of this that, that can't it's not in their dna joe hart another one um, well, yes, Joe so Hart. Gone may, maybe, maybe it's beyond beyond it's beyond Hugo, but it it can be done. Buffon is a prime example. I think it is beyond Loris. I do. I, I, he's, he hasn't got it. He's, he's thirty two now. Um, he that these goalkeepers must play five aside on certain days out on the pitch and not in goal because they've got to get their touch right um, to do this. You know, there are so much of them. Um, so that they've got to kill the ball straight away, right in front of them, as a, as a top midfielder will do, and actually control it. The direction is about to play the ball, because as I always say, you you you, you should know where you're going to pass it before you've even got it, and that's what a goalkeeper's got to do as well. And I just I genuinely don't see him be able to do that. And I just wonder if we can adapt a little bit in the team to not play too much of that football for him. Who knows? I don't. I don't see us upgrading him at this moment. I really don't. I think we'll stick with him. We've got Gazaniga. I think there's a great possibility we'll get um, another goalkeeper who's a young lad uh, and, and will be third place 
for a sh- little while. How, how long has Hugo been at the club now? What, since 2012? Yeah. I think he's he's had issues even then when we first signed him. His kicking was never, it's never been up to scratch. And, you no. know, he's been here, what, seven years now? And it's not like we've noticed a vast improvement in thinking, do you know what? He's, his kicking at the beginning was really poor. And now it's, you know, it's, it's acceptable. He's never had that. He's never had that um, improvement in all the years he's been at Spurs. So I, I don't I don't see the I don't see the the improvement improvement happening now in in any case. But I think you're right. I think uh, I can't see um, I can't see another goalkeeper coming in to, to particularly challenge him for his, his number one jersey. But uh, you know I think in terms of player recruitment, I think that's a whole other issue in itself. Um, there's, there's there's pressing knees all over the pitch for yeah. for player reinforcements. I think goalkeeper is probably going to be uh, an issue, uh, a position that Poch, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily put as much impetus on because he's got the France number one captain there and he's good. He's good enough at the moment. He might not necessarily be the best in the league, and, and nobody's expecting. Um, Miracles of, of Poch to suddenly pull a you know hundred million pound signing out of the bag, but it, what do we do? Stick or twist? It, it, that, that that is the ultimate question. But the only person that can do that is, is Poch at this stage, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, there are two issues with with with, with Lloris. One is his ability to to play the ball out the back um, at a time when increasingly we're finding that, that that's the way that that, that that teams play, and I think. Yeah, the consensus is that that he's perhaps is of a certain age where it's probably too, he's too old to learn to, to to do that, or it's not in his DNA. Although, like I said, it, it's not inconceivable. Buffon did that, but that might be the exception. The other the other side of it is his propensity to make mistakes that have proved costly. Um, not once, twice this season. I just suddenly as as, we, as you were talking earlier, Zoe. I just suddenly had visions suddenly of um, the PSV game away from home this season when he came rushing out of goal um, and got sent off. That obviously paved the way for Gazaniga to play a, a, a game or two, as I recall, in, in, in the Champions League. So there's that's that. Not, so, that's not forgetting the World Cup final, Jared. That's as that as well. So there's, there are all of these things. If it was any other club, they would look at that and they would they would not hesitate for a minute to upgrade. And even if that goalkeeper had been a solid goalkeeper that who'd served them past well well in the past and, and maybe was having a little bit of a difficult season, they would upgrade them. But they but the difference is they can go out and spend big. If we can't do that, all I can say is maybe and I'm this is maybe wishful thinking on my part, but maybe there is a a very good, talented goalkeeper out there that nobody's heard of. He's slightly under the radar, and and we we go and sign that 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 keeper, and no one's heard of him, and he doesn't cost us as you know ridiculous amount of money, like sort of fifty, sixty million type thing. Um, otherwise, I don't know what, what the solution is. You give Gazaniga a chance next season, perhaps, um, but uh, I, I'm, we'll I'm see. still not. I'm still not at that stage. I. I I still think I'd, I'd like to stick with him. Um, but you say was... that, but 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 David, sorry. If 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 we had the money, if we were any other club, we would just upgrade him straight away. You know that as well as I do. Well, I, I agree with you, but I mean, besides put put aside the fact that if we've got this purse of seventy to a hundred million, this war chest, I don't think the club or Pochettino would warrant 
that money going on another goalkeeper when we've got two half-decent goalkeepers. Agree. They've yep. got other fish to fry around the pitch. So that's one aspect. But as I said at the beginning, Becker cost 56 million going on for 62 million. And I saw him as no... Be- he, he was like a, a rabbit in the headlights yesterday under pressure. Yep. He was no better than Lloris. So if we all said, oh, look at that, you know, there's this bloke called Becker, um, 56 million, fabulous. We'd expect something that's, you know, twice as good as Lloris. And yet we've got a goalkeeper who made three mistakes yesterday against Lloris's one or two. We'll say two because of the kick out. So he made more errors than Lloris. So it's it's not an easy one just to... That's the problem with the bigger clubs, Man City and Chelsea particularly, who have too much money because the fans are paying for blood because they know the club can spend it. And I think it's unhealthy that they just go out and, and keep buying. You know, it's, it's, Would you do that at home? Well, this sofa isn't any good. I, I feel a bit uncomfortable now. Let's go and buy another one. Go and bought another one. Actually, do you know what? It looked nice in the shop, but this is now uncomfortable again. Let's go and buy it. Really? No. You, you've got to be sharper than that and, and we've got to be far more focused on that and we've got to get the best out of Lloris and that's down to Pochettino and he has but there is another aspect to that I, I wouldn't be against Lloris being dropped and Gazzini coming in for uh, after Wednesday but I'd like to see Harry then as captain I'd like to see a change of captainship um, at the moment it, it's, it doesn't sound like much in some respects because every player should be captain out there but I think that's part of the problem that Lloris is kept in because he is the club captain. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm going to move it on. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw a few few names on the hat. Players, goalkeepers that aren't particularly... I would, I would imagine they're not um, very expensive, um, solid goalkeepers. I'm not sure whether they're perhaps the best on the ball, but I think they're solid keepers. So one of them is uh, Nick Hope. Yeah, albeit, he, albeit he's, mm. he's he's injured. I haven't seen enough of him. I think previously on the pod, maybe it was last season. So you you, you said you like the look of him, um, but I, I haven't seen enough of him to, to really form a judgment. Um, another one is Butland over at Stoke. Um, surely he's a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, before his injury in 2016, he he I, I like the look of him then. He seemed to be a solid goalkeeper. Um, I. I haven't again. I've not seen enough of him since, and I don't know what he's like on the ball. And the third one, just for a bit of fun, because he always seems to frustrate us when he when he when he plays against us in terms of shot stopping and in terms of wasting time. Ben Foster. Why not, eh? <laughs> oh no! How old is Ben? Ben Foster is no youngster now, is he? No, no. But then, right. it, it, funny enough, Hugo at thirty-two, he's not particularly old for a goalkeeper. No, I, um, I, I get that. that. That's, um, I mean, I, on the one hand, I'm writing him off, and I'm, I'm saying he's he's, we, uh, he's, thir- he's 35 now, Ben Foster. Ben Foster, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. He, and, yeah, and he'll be 36 in a couple of days. Okay. <laughs> so, so perhaps we'll cross that one out. Shall we, Jared? Yeah, my, yeah. Hey, can, I, can I just hey? say one more thing about Larice just before we move it on? Uh-huh. Larice cost us the goal yesterday. A lack of midfield cost us the match. I really believe that. Yeah, I no, really I, believe that. I I agree. I think I think it's as good as Sissoko has been all season. I think it's it, he's carrying the weight of the whole world on his shoulders, and I think we we're, we're lacking. We, we, we obviously had two players out injured yesterday, and Dyer and Winks, and I think that's that's definitely an area area that we need to strengthen in the summer. And and Wenyama, 
was on the bench, which all I can say with that is Pochettino doesn't think he's obviously as fit and sharp enough to to, to start. Well, so I don't I don't think that did cost us. I, I don't think that team yesterday again was good enough to win the game. Was good enough, and it's moments again. They took that game. To, I spoke to my friend this morning. He was at Anfield. He's a Liverpool supporter. Mm-hmm. He's in the cop. I was going to send him a message. I didn't in the end, but he he, he spoke to me this morning. He was very gentle and kind with me. Um, and we had that, but he said his words were um, that second half. He said, "You were doing to us what we do to other sides." He said, "You were stripping us apart that second half," and he said we were very fortunate to get away with that. Um, it should have been a draw. So it is moments, and I thought that team, once it got moving and, and the tactically was changed, was by far good enough to win that game. And Liverpool are still one of the best sides around Europe. They mm. really are. So. I wouldn't underestimate what we were doing. Um, it's, it's Again, it, we're talking about Lloris here on two moments in the game. He doesn't much else to do. but and, and other moments. It's just little moments. And they're costing us. And Liverpool had moments and it didn't cost them. Mm. There we are. Mm-hmm. That's uh, my take. Yeah. Um, on yesterday, by the way, I think that probably fair, a, a fair result would have been a draw. Um, where we, we, we had the better of the second half, certainly, and yet we had our chances to, to win it, and, and we didn't take them. That Sometimes that happens, but uh, on reflection, I think we should have, you know, a draw would have been, would have been a, I, would have, I would have taken that before the game, I would have taken that. The point at which it was one all and it was the 90th minute, and but hey-ho, uh, shit happens. Um, the first half, I thought that Actually, just in the, I don't know, was it ten or fifteen minutes they scored? I thought prior to that, I thought we st- we started off okay, but as yeah. soon as they they scored, I felt heads went down, and I thought that first half we weren't great. There were a few players. I didn't think Ericsson had one of his better games. Trippier too. Um, Allison, you mentioned. Uh, I noticed first half there were a few occasions where we were getting crosses into him, and and he was struggling um, with that. But uh, yeah, uh, overall, compared to um, the uh, our last four matches um, that we've three of which we've lost, one of which we've drawn. Overall, first half aside, that second half gave me a lot of heart going forward, and I think if we can play like that going forward, then hopefully we'll get the results we we need in those last whatever it is seven seven matches. Uh, I should run through some questions. Um, question from Gilly or comments from Gilly. Um, Twitter handle is at I know Alan Glazine. He says we've a habit of gifting first half at Anfield, but also at White Hart Lane, Wembley, bar the four-one since Klopp arrived. That's a good point. I think pretty much from the first game that Klopp had was was against us, and uh, his Liverpool team caused us problems then. And and it's it's always a tough game against them. Uh, so anyway, he goes on and says, I think we gave them far too much respect. No need for five at the back, um, as it leaves us short across midfield, uh, which we we saw they exploited that in the first half. And I think Pochettino, to his credit, second half made an adjustment, and and we went with the back four. Uh, it goes on to say, nonetheless, the second half gives me much more much optimism for the run in. Um, and he just goes on to say that uh, we've got a tough fixture out of the way, and 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 we take it from there. Um, yeah, Matthew Moroney, Twitter handle is at Matthew Moroney six. Why do Spurs never get the luck in the big games? They didn't deserve to lose today. Silly errors cost them the game. Yeah, that's where we we 
<laughs> that's where we are Spurs supporters we all yeah well this is Spurs and I'm not going to use that silly word um that we don't get across the line but we are winning games against the, the top uh, other top six sides uh this is a mini league now isn't it I mean we can say this top six are broken away and we are winning games against them but we we do at the moment we tend to have that propensity to to swap results you know we win one against them and then lose the other one um, Liverpool's not that case, and I don't think Man City may, maybe that case, we might lose both of those ones. That's going to be very difficult, but, you know, Chelsea, sort of Manchester United, we swap results. So we are competing. And in fact, we played better against Liverpool yesterday because they play an open, expansive game, and it suits us. And that showed in that second half because we tweaked it. So I, I know it's saying it's more of a feeling now than, it, than reality. And I think we are competing very well against the top six sides. And I'm hoping Pochettino is still learning. And maybe with the summer and a couple of signings, that's those tweakings, um, we'll do a bit better. Maybe a, a win and a draw against some of these sides so that we grab the four, four out of the five points available. Yeah, you have to hope. I think um, I think a lot of the, the media talk doesn't help us. I think, um, I think now that the... Poch to United, Poch to Madrid rumours are essentially dying away for the remainder of the season. That can hopefully, you know, put us on a on a better trajectory towards the run in. I think um, during that little period where um, there was no coincidence that it landed right in the in the bit where we where we sort of dropped a bit of form was when the rumours of Poch going to United or leaving Spurs and you know. It, the media do everything in their power to try and, you know, let the wheels fall off Spurs. And, and the fact that, you know, we've been on this little um, run of form at the moment where we, we can't seem to get a, a you know, a, a win out of, out of anything. You know, it sort of fits their agenda of, of Poch moving on to, onto a different team and everything sort of falling apart for us. But I think now that that has been put to bed, we've got the stadium open now which we were waiting so long for. I think, you know, why why things are, and why we don't get the luck in big games? Who knows? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? But it's about how we respond now. And I think we have all the tools in place to take the positives from the Liverpool performance, even though the result was horrible yeah. and not what anybody wanted. But we have the, the tools in place to try and build from this and, and, and have a, a, you know, a better run-in from now onwards um, okay question from Mark Stoll um, not blaming Toby for the own goal but why are we taking off Sanchez and not Toby Sanchez has a future at the club so shouldn't be so shouldn't he be getting valuable game time experience over someone who doesn't I'm not sure I agree with that for yesterday's game I know what Mark's saying and he, he's, he's, he's right to say it and ask the question um, I I was surprised when he went off uh, myself. I, I thought we were settled at the back. It's always a bit of a dangerous one taking a backline player when the backline settled. He made uh, a vital vital interception as well just before he went off, if you recall, he, from he Sa did. Salah. He did. He did. He was left sitting there, wasn't he, rubbing his leg? Yeah. That was a, it was a heck of a tackle as well. He didn't look favourite to get it, um, but he did. No, he had a fine game. Um, he didn't do anything. He didn't do much wrong other than he was picking up... Um, Firmino on the goal uh, but as I say we were a bit on a back foot there because of that ball out but no I I'm no I, I I understand what Mark's saying but I 
I would rather keep it, it under the pressure of Liverpool, under the pressure of the cop that was sitting right under it. I think I'd rather have Toby there if we were going to take a backline player off. Um, I'd rather have Toby there than, than Davinson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zoe, you're a big fan of Davinson. Yeah, I, I I agree with with what you said. You know that he is he is without a doubt the future of, of the club. And you know we we speculated for a little while about the fact that he was bought in. Um, and obviously Toby's contract situation is is always going to be a point of contention with us as fans. But um, I think. We, there's always been the argument, especially when Potter just dropped Toby for the big occasions like Arsenal away and, and, and things like that. You know, there's almost an uproar on Twitter about, you know, why has he dropped Toby here? Why is he, you know, why has he done this, that and the other? And I think in this situation, like you're saying, David, you know, it, it requires a um, an experienced head. Uh, and, you know, it was just unlucky the fact that we, we conceded the second goal and it was it was a poor one to concede obviously but you know to to take an experienced head off out, out of the two you know to me it doesn't there's no comparison I think Sanchez was always was always going to be the one that was sacrificed um in the, in that situation um that doesn't mean that in the future he's not going to be the one that that is going to be in that back that yeah. back four but you know it's hard, you know six and one half doesn't have the other at this at this point I think yeah. hmm. you know. it, it, it was a difficult one. We needed Pochettino needed to make that tactical adjustment and switch to four. Somebody was going to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, you, you take off Sanchez. For me, the bigger thing is you're taking off the pace, um, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I would have wanted that in the team, particularly with with Salah. But then you've got the experience of Alderweireld. So it's a difficult one. I don't think it's any reflection on 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 the player. Um, you could make a case for. For, for taking off either. Um, as for the future, uh, I, I see what Mark's saying. I mean, you want to bed Sanchez and give him as many opportunities as, as possible if he's the future of the club. And I think we're, we're doing that, certainly, when we're playing with a back three, by, by virtue of the fact that you can. It gets a bit trickier when if, if you're going with... If you're starting if if, if, you're, if you're starting matches with a four, then who do you go for? Do you go with Sanchez and one of the other two players because of their experience, um, and which which one do you, do you drop, or or do you just say, well, Toby, regardless of what's happening with his contracts, um, he's a good player, and you've got to pay a pay a best eleven. Um, I don't know, or maybe Pochettino knows something that we don't, and maybe Alderweireld will will be at the club longer than than many of us uh, suspect. We'll, we shall see how that one pans out. Um, Question from a comment from Kent Goodrich, uh, Twitter analyst at Kent Goodrich. He just says, Sell Kane, one point since he returned from injury um, with a winky emoji. Um, it, I, it's obviously a tongue in cheek comment, um, but it is true. Um, but it's also true that he has scored goals in that period of time and, he, and he's looked sharp. He's, he's looked sharp for England as well. Um, some of the times he's had injuries in the past and he's returned for them, that's not always been the case, but he's, he's, he's looked good. And. Uh, it, it, with the, with the really good players like Kane is, and and, and I think I, I, whoever wants to explain what world class means, because there's no gauge for that, but I would consider Harry Kane world class, yeah. um, and he still showed it moments yesterday. And it's those moments it, you don't have to run the game, but he got the foul, he picked the ball up, he took a lovely quick free kick, we score, and that was that one moment, and he did a few times where he came, comes deep now, 
gets the ball and rather than hold it up he does turn really well and, and plays that very intelligent ball around the side into the wings um, he, he's quite the complete player Harry Kane so yeah it's a bit unfortunate it's one point um, out of those 15 when Harry Kane's come back but nothing to do with him that's for sure the bigger issue for me is why didn't Son start with Kane um, and you know why was why was why, why was Mora picked I can only assume that Son had played midweek. I don't know. I haven't checked, but with uh, for South Korea he did. and and, and, he and did. jet lags, etc., etc. But going forwards, um, there aren't any international breaks now from 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 now to the run-in. We've obviously got a, a double header against Man City in the Champions League. Um, going forward, Son and Kane, Eriksson, Delhi, those players just need to start as many games as possible. Yeah, which uh, you think pick our nearest strongest 11 each and every time and if, and if, if there has to be some rotation or some resting I would argue as little as possible um, uh, Ed Brad the players are getting are again showing that they are not as much physically fatigued but mentally worn out today's own goal being yet another recent example how can we overcome this as a team go on Zoe I, I think I think we had the answer to that. I think I think Pochettino would uh, would have implemented it by now. I I, I think it's going to be a case of rallying together in, in these last few games. You know, not having that knee jerk reaction that inevitably we all feel after a, after a defeat. I think the only the only way forward is for us all to to band together. And I think that this is why they needed the stadium open as, as soon as possible, because it, it gives you that feel good factor. You know, I mean, I haven't, I have a personally haven't seen the stadium yet. And, um, but from what I gather from social media, you know, for that, for that week where um, we've had a few test events, it's, it's given that real feel good factor back around the club again. And, and, and I think that is going to be the way that we get through it. I, I, you know, there's nothing we can do in terms of dissecting performances on the pitch. You know, we don't, we don't run around on the pitch. The players do. And, and, and of course there's an onus on them that if, you know, if it does pan out that we don't get top four, then the onus is on them and they have to look at their own performances, you know, in, in the last few weeks and, and realize that, that we haven't been consistently good enough. But I think, um, in terms of how we get through it as a team, I think the fans are going to have a massive part to play, it, and especially coming into the new into the new ground, we're going to want to sort of hit the ground running. And 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 like I said earlier, I think there's enough positives to take from the performance at Liverpool to know that there is we are certainly capable of of, of turning this little blip in form around, and 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 hopefully you know as the weeks go on. We won't have this. Will be a, a long distant memory, and and we'll be looking forward to 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 the the future in in the new place. And I think that's the one thing we have to to sort of look to at the moment, and think that's that's what we need right now. David, any thoughts on that? Um, they're not physically fatigued. I don't think particularly. Um, players are looked after so well now every minute of their day is almost a, a mapped out for them um, mentally that's a difficult one they do have um, coaches that look after them and that side of things um, Pochettino himself is is very well aware of trying to get this which is what I think Ed's more alluding to this winning mentality um, but again I would still point out that 
we were we were good the second half. We, well, I thought we were excellent the second half actually against a very good Liverpool side, and, and we were really starting to I tear them apart. It's probably a bit too strong a term, but we were causing them a lot of problems. We really were. We were breaking fast on them. Um, we had chances. So I, I don't think it was that bad. And I still go back to the fact that it's moments. And we as fans uh, seem to get... I mean, it, it's 26 seconds to go. And that's a bad taste. And we, we, with the whole game, the, the light ter- gets turned down. It looks like a dim view of the game. And that's what happens when it's 26 seconds and we lose the game. And it's, and I, that's why I think Liverpool are fooling themselves a bit here. When they, I watched the interviews with a couple of the young lads, the full-backs were in there, uh, Alexander Arnold, and he said, yeah, I thought we were really on top uh, and, and we deserved that. And I thought, really? I'm not so sure. You know, we, we, we showed we, we wanted the game more, I think was the term he used. We showed, no, you didn't. You put a you put a speculative ball in the air, which maybe Loris should have come for in the first place. Um, uh, and then Loris just made a mess of it. Uh, and that was it. Otherwise... I didn't see anything from you particularly that was special. In fact, we were looking more likely to score a second. So, but they're fooling themselves. So I, I don't think we're mentally. I don't think we're mentally tired. It, it's it's more about this winning mentality, whatever that is. And, and we seem to think that um, if you've won nothing, you're not going to win anything. Well, eventually someone does win something. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? You know, well, it does. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not so convinced about it. I think this is again what you were saying, Zoe, about the media, and they pump us full of this misinformation almost. Where, and I can remember Soonis and the like all saying, you know, the Spurs side, there's not a weakness there. They're a tremendous side, and then we lose, and then no, they're, they're a bit weak. They haven't got the depth. Well, hang on a minute. Last week you were said they were good. Which one do I believe? You're the expert. You know, you've been there. You play both Spurs and Liverpool. I should believe in you, what you're saying. But really, all they're saying is something that that, that, that Sky want them to say because it, it, it adds to the, the viewing figures. It sells packages. And, and then we start to buy into this that we haven't got the winning mentality. Well, we have, but I, I, but I know what Ed's saying. You know, it's, it's just not transferring itself on the pitch to wins. Yeah, in terms of results, we, we seem to have lost our way somewhat in the last yeah. five matches. I think, absolutely right, yesterday, the second half performance really played really well. Uh, yes, we didn't get something. That sometimes happens in football. You play well and you, and you come away and you think uh, you were hard done by. That, then that's that's totally fine if yesterday had been in isolation and if the preceding games we'd won. Unfortunately, over the course of five games, we've got one point and... Uh, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't read good. It and it and it, and, it, and it does perhaps suggest maybe, for whatever reason, the players have, have you know lost their way or, or mentally they're they're not quite there yet. Um, all I say is that yeah, we did. There were good signs yesterday, and it, and if those good signs continue, then we should at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll get a result. And I think once it's a chicken and egg thing. Once we do win that game. We'll probably win another one, and we'll win another one, and we'll start to breed that, get or get that winning mentality back. Um, and suddenly, things like mental fatigue—you you only really feel fatigue, mental fatigue. I think when you're when you're not doing well, and you're not picking up results. Um, everything it just seems a bit wary, and it's just you're, you're frustrating. And, and even when you're trying, but it's not quite coming off. Um, but when you're 
when you're in form and everybody's like a striker when he's when he's scoring left, right, and centre game after game. Um, he's he's confident and and he won't feel tired even if it, it might be there. So it'll it'll come, it'll come. Um, but it's uh, we we need to just just get out of the get out of the rut and and uh, Wednesday will be a good good opportunity to well, do to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will talk about Wednesday. Um, we will talk about the new stadium. We'll take a couple more questions from listeners in the second half of the podcast. But before we do, it's been quite a few weeks since we had a Spurs ladies update from Bex, partly because um, either the ladies hadn't been playing, I think, on or the, or the, the last time we did a pod three weeks ago. And then after that, we obviously we didn't have any pods because Spurs weren't playing a, playing a game until yesterday. So uh, for the first time in a few weeks, here is Bex with a very long Spurs ladies update. Hiya, it's Bex. So what's been happening with Spurs ladies? Do you know, I honestly can't remember. It's been so long ago since I did a podcast that, yeah, this is going to really tax my brain. And apologies if this is slightly longer than normal. I just checked back on my records and the 24th of February was the last time I said anything which is unusual, um, so stand by. So going back in time, the girls were due to play on the 12th of March against Aston Villa at Aston Villa. But there was an accident that night on the M1, so neither the team nor any fans were able to get to the game. The game has since been rescheduled for Wednesday the 1st of May with a 7.30 kickoff, and that's in some place in that part of the world, at Boldmere St Michael's. And then the girls played on the 25th of March, where... Um, they played Sheffield United at home and disappointingly lost that game 2-1. Um, I do wonder if that will be slightly a little bit of a grudge match. I'm not sure if you're all aware at the return fixture, the previous game between the two sides, a Spurs player and a Hector complained of racist abuse from one of the Sheffield United players. That subsequently went. It was reported to the ref at the time um, and subsequently went to an FA court where it was deemed that Sophie. Jones, I believe, had indeed um, racially abused Rene Hector and was given a six-match ban by the FA. Now, the most interesting thing about that, from my point of view, isn't the fact that she was given a six-match ban, which is absolutely right, but the fact that subsequent to that, her contract, allegedly by mutual consent, was um, stopped. So she's no longer playing football, and I think Sheffield United have taken a massive step there to preventing racism in football, which is really, really important. Shame not all teams are like that. Chelsea may wish to take note. And then finally, the girls play today, uh, the 31st of March. They played at home to Man United. Um, didn't go as well as hoped. We lost 5-1. Uh, Spurs goal was scored by skipper Jenna Scalacci. And that was going to be a big game. That was a definite, that was a top-of-the-table clash. Um, and as we have lost, we're definitely not top of the table anymore. And we're second. I believe that leaves us still second pending Durham's results um, whenever they play. However, I'm, you know, slightly inclined to say, well, it's easy for Man United. They, they've they just thrown money at it and they have players who, um, and it's a brand new team. Um, so a little bit disingenuous, not good for the girls. Um, I'm sure they were all a little bit gutted by that, by today's result. And that game was their last home game of the season. Yeah, because the Villa game's been rescheduled. So their next game is not until the 21st of April where they play Charlton Ladies and that's at Charlton. And that's at Sporting Club Thamesmead or at 2 o'clock. So if you can, go see because they are quite a good team to watch. Um, 
in amongst all of that, there's been loads of things. There's been players out on international duty, which is really, really good to see, really encouraging from the team's point of view. Um, Karen Hills, the manager, won um, manager of the month for January, which I think was really, she looked so happy for that. Anyway, I can't think of anything else to talk about. And over three minutes, I'm sure nobody else wants to listen to me anymore. I am on Twitter at BunchesBex. If anybody should want to know anything else. Cheers, thanks, bye-bye. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast. Thank you, Bex. Right, uh, let us finish off with... Uh, we've got Palace on on Wednesday. Um, the new stadium. Um, David, if I come to you, um, you were there for one of the test events um, on the, the under-21 match. Um, impressions of the new stadium. Oh. First impressions. Oh. Well, I came round the corner... Um, just from White Hart Lane Station um, and as you come round there's this dominating stadium that's sitting above all the properties around it and it looks does look like a spaceship it's like some of the third encounters of the close kind of this thing turning over it just looks like that it's just immense and you gasp and everybody came out the station gasped they come out, oh, and they could get their phones out, cameras, and you think, oh, I can't wait. And it was a lovely morning. I got there pretty early. I was one of the early ones there, and I came rushing up the stadium. And I have to say, I had a little tear in my eye when I looked at it. Just, I'm so pleased that we've we've gone in now when it's just about complete. I would have hated it to have gone in there uh, in September when we were having to walk across um, all the ro- all the works going on. That would have been horrible. I'm so pleased. I know it's cost the club money. I appreciate that um, by, by having to play at Wembley. But what a stadium. And then eventually I got in and I, I just I was taken aback when I went in there. And that Park Lane end, as people I think like to call it, or the wall, the white wall. Um, I don't mind uh, what we call it. It's just immense. Just immense. Everything about it is wonderful. All that crushed uh, material from the old stadium is put into the new stadium on the floor uh, all round that that I, I got nothing I could criticize about it um, I would have to say it's the best stadium uh, football stadium in the world I've not been to them all so I can't truly say that but that's how it seems to me um, and I, I absolutely applaud uh, the boards at Spurs and Daniel Levy for producing this it is well worth the wait Yes, and does it... She looks beautiful. Oh, magnificent. And David, in your opinion, does it feel... What's the view, what's the view like and does it feel... Um, does it feel like it's what, it's you're back home and, 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 and does, it, does it got that look and feel of White Hart Lane about it? Obviously, it's a brand new stadium, so it's not, yeah. not going to have the old uh, antiquated look of White Hart Lane, but... Yeah, I was I was asked that question going in by, by Chris Cowlin. They did a little piece with him, and and he he said to me, "Does it feel the same?" And, and I think he was hoping I was going to say yes, or thought I would do. And I said no, and he looked a bit surprised. But it's it's there are two different things. Does it feel like home? Absolutely, absolutely. It's got all of us in there, all us fans. There's a piece of us in there, in in one way or another. It's in there. It's our money. It's, it's a t- all the years we've been going. It's part of us. That's what being a football fan is. You know, the old stadium was part of it. it now it's in within. It is part of us. But 
it would be wrong to say, oh, here we are. It's White Hart. No, it's not White Hart Lane. It's a new stadium. It felt different, but it felt like home. Um, and I, and I, I can't give you any more than that. It, it, it's within you. That's what it feels like. Uh, and I feel very much part of it. The views are just wonderful. I, I was down the bottom in the Park Lane end, uh, for the, but I came up to the top where you were. I, I did think that was about the limit up the top there. It, it started to look like, yeah, I, just, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to tumble. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite steep. So I'm four rows from the top of the fourth row down from the top of uh, one of the blocks and the the south stand and it is quite steep going up um, which I'm fine with but I, I'm not I don't really like going down so I've never liked going downstairs and I, and I, and I hate the walking down bit at the end because I just walk slowly and I feel as though I'm going to about to tumble um, the, the view is decent-ish from from the from, from the top you can you have got a perspective of, of everything that's that's going on uh but it is a bit high up and, and, and the players do feel a little bit small but i i i was there on um saturday for the legends game and i had a little wander on the first maybe 30 or 40 rows of, of the south stand and the view is fantastic from all of those it was really up close um and I would say that pretty much what, like what you just said there, David. It, we're back home. It's that's you know that it, you couldn't get much closer to the old ground than pretty much on the same footprint. Um, so that's good. Uh, it's a it's a new stadium to me. It's not White Hart Lane. Um, people will call it White Hart Lane. Uh, for me, I will call it the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because that's well, what it's what the club have decided to call it until such time that. They decide to call it, I don't know, the the Nike Stadium or the Daniel Levy Stadium or whatever. Um, but it's it's a new gaff, but it's got the spirit of White Hart Lane embedded in it, um, which which is what makes it really special. And uh, yeah, um, the Legends game on Saturday, um, it was it was great fun seeing a lot of these players um, uh, from previous years, some of whom. Some of the more recent players, like maybe uh, Keane, Berbatov, um, I'd, I'd seen before. Um, Avers, for example, I'd, I'd never, uh, I'd never had the pleasure of watching. You know, the likes of uh, Mark Falcao or uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, who was one of my favourite Spurs players of all time. I've, I've, I'd never seen him live. Um, to, to, to get to see them was great. Paul Gascoigne, I'd seen a couple of times previously, but ironically, never in a Spurs shirt. I saw him once play for England in a friendly against Bulgaria, and I saw him play at White Hart Lane for Middlesbrough in 1998 in a game that we lost 3 0 at home. Um, awful day, that was awful, awful game. David Pleat was a manager, caretaker manager at, at, at the time. Um, we just sacked Christian Gross, and it was just before George Graham was appointed the oh. manager. Yep. Um, yeah, but it was upset me even more, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was nice seeing some some of these ex players. It was also, uh, touched with a tinge of sadness because, um, you know, a few of them had obviously weren't in the in the best shape. They were carrying a little bit of timber, um, and dear old Gaza uh, picks up an injury. I think during the warm warm up, he did his Achilles in, and he, and he only lasted ten minutes. And and it it was sad because it, 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 it shattered of themselves um 
the Inter team, um, they've got a Legends team, which I think they, they play a lot of Legends uh, games. They looked pretty fit. They put pretty fit, and 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 Veron was 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 controlling the the game and and looked looked really good. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good day out, and and, and it was nice seeing um, some of these ex players. Uh, so Wednesday we, we we've got Palace next, so that will be the first proper match in the stadium. Um, hopefully it'll be it'll be no doubt packed with sixty two thousand people, uh, great atmosphere, etc. All of those things. Um, will it be enough to to see us through? Um, bearing in mind that Palace games against Palace recently, cup game aside, which we lost, um, I think we beat them four or five times in a row. They were all one nil victories. It was always very tight. It's not going to be easy. Roy Hodgson's team. I'm sure they're going to make it difficult. Um, be very compact. Can we get a result? I mean, we, we can get a result. I think um, it'll be huge for Palace as well, playing in the being the first team to sort of. Play, Playing the new stadium in, in that sort of capacity, I think we, we certainly can get a result, um, uh, and I think uh, we sort of have to really, you know, every, nobody wants to be leaving that that massive stadium uh, after a one-nil loss to Palace. I think the mood would just completely drop through the floor, and I think, like I was saying earlier, I think we we almost we almost need a result now after the little run we've been on and just just to try and turn things around um i think townsend and and zaha are gonna be dangerous like they always are i think you know to underestimate them would be hugely um idiotic for anybody to do um i think trippier against zaha has already given me a, a bit of a nightmare but um <laughs> I hope we can. I hope we can get. We can get a result, and and that can be the catalyst for a good run going forward. Yeah, we absolutely have to win it. We absolutely. I think it's more important than Liverpool game. I really do. Not only for the three points, but um, to make the stadium, the new stadium, uh, a place where uh, it's a fortress. We have to make it a fortress for the rest of this season. We have to win every game in there. We will lose one eventually, but not this season. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Uh, even when the Man City come along, we have to get a result. We mustn't lose against them. We must get something out of their home game in the uh, in, in the cup. Um, and yeah, it's it's just looking forward to it. It'll give them such a boost, such a boost. And I'm sure Larice will be in there, and I'm sure that um, that they won't underestimate. I can't see them doing that. Just for you, we both say that it's that one nil slither of a gap uh, is a warning in itself. So, yeah. Question for both of you, very quickly, one word answer. Who's going to score the first goal in the new stadium? Harry Kane. Oh, Deli Ali. Kieran Trippier, own goal. Right. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm being um, uh, Kane. Harry Kane. It's got to be Harry Kane. Uh, right. Um, let's it, just finish off. Sorry, it, David. Yeah, as I say, it's what he does, Harry Kane, isn't it? He, he you know, scores for England when he plays. But it, he will, I, I'm sure they'll all be looking for Harry Kane. And I'm sure he will score first. Well, he'll either score first or, or set one up, without yeah. a doubt. He'll be involved. Yeah. Um, right, let's just finish off with 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 a couple more questions. 
Um, I'll try to go through these as quickly as possible. So, Ken Goodrich, uh, he says, Devil's Advocate time. If Poch really did... If Poch really told Levy not to buy anyone for two windows... Yeah. Is Poch, is Poch in trouble if we don't get top four? Yeah, not at all. Because we know that they put bids in for Jack Grealish. We know that because Steve Bruce confirmed that and said that because uh, he moved on then so he, he could say what he wanted he said you know Spurs made a mistake there that had gone in early with a reasonable price he'd have gone so we know he did so um, and I think Pochettino appreciates it didn't happen it didn't work for whatever reason I get on with it that's what I do now we don't have any problems we don't have any problems I agree 100% 100% if we don't get top four irrespective of the uh whether we well, whose decision it was not to buy anybody um if we don't get top four which is i take to say a possibility now i wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago when we were 10 points clear of some oh. of the teams around us oh. um it's now arsenal are winning by the way so they're going to go above oh, us um, no, no, don't on... tell me that i'm recording yep. it <laughs> oh, sorry um well okay hopefully that it'll when you do watch it um, it'll finish differently at, at the end. Uh, if we don't qualify for top four, which is unfortunately a possibility at this stage, would Poch, would he be responsible? Would the players have to look at themselves? Is it is is Levy? Would, or is that perhaps a question that we should address at the end of the season? Or hopefully one we, which we won't have to address. In fact, I'm going to park that. I'm not even going to uh, um, explore that any further. Um, Greg Taylor, look at the embarrassing meltdown on social media by Spurs fans. A meltdown that is worthy of comparison with Arsenal Fan TV in some cases. Do you think the fans need to take a look at themselves and take stock? That's his first question. He just goes on to say, uh, basically, considering the adversities we face, playing at Wembley, injuries, two transfer windows with no blood, we've still done well, last day of the Champions League, etc., etc. Obviously, there's a risk that um, we might miss out on on the top four. Um, And uh, we we, we need to take all those things in in mind and have a bit of perspective. And he just says, are, are... our fans in danger of turning into copies of Guna supporters. Yeah, if you're not careful, you're not careful. You are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I fortunately I didn't see social media last night because I was driving back to get home till midnight, so that was good. It's, that it's, was... It, and, and it is, David. It is difficult to look at social media and drive a car. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, you end up spilling your drink, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I. I, I yeah, I've missed all that. But I'm still seeing it today. I'm still seeing it today. And it's because um, at this particular occasion, it was 26, It was Liverpool, and it was 26 seconds from the end. And, and it was a terrible error by Lloris. And it just changes everybody's perception of where we are suddenly and, and out of proportion. It, it, we, it is really, if you, if you took it away, you're right, it's three points. But we've got four home games and two away, haven't we, left now? Um, so we've got four home games. So we've still got plenty of football to play. And if I said yesterday, if we still end up with top four, you can put all this behind you and pale it into insignificance. Because top four was all I ever really... I hoped to get a cup, one at League or FA Cup with the two realistic ones. 
I didn't think the Premier League was realistic at all. And I certainly didn't think the Champions League was realistic. For sure, we put ourselves in a wonderful position. Um, but it's going to be darn difficult to get past Man City in the first place, never alone anybody else. So if we get to um, top four, uh, job done as far as I'm concerned. I, I'll be comforted by that. I'm not going to go an open, open top bus tour. It's not like that uh, with the top four. I'm not going to be an Arsenal fan running around just because you've got top four, but it, it will be the minimum. So I'm not going to get this out of proportion over this whole thing. So I, I don't agree with the meltdown. I know, I know I can see how they feel. You know, that's at 26 seconds and you're sitting there and you get, you're, you're clenching the sofa because you think I, this is going to be Spurs. They're going to do it again. They're going to ruin it. And they did. And we, we did. We did it. Liverpool didn't do it. We did it to ourselves. And that brings the hatred out. Mm. It, it can be very toxic. But I think, you know, it's like you say, I think there's I think there's there's those sorts of fans in, 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 in every fan base. I don't think it's I don't think it's, it's subjective to just one club. I think there's I think there's, it's across the board. You know, it's hard. You can't really vet those people out. People are going to react in a negative way. Even if we were winning, I think there's there's certain fans that you know after a, a, a one loss, you know you get the Poch out brigade or you get the Wenger out brigade or you get in Mourinho out. It, it, it's it's subjected to every team in the league, and I think it's more prevalent after a result like like yesterday, and particularly the manner of the result. I think it's always going to become. Uh, more prevalent because we, we're going to see it more it's going to be all over social media for the, the the best part of what 28 24 48 72 hours and then as soon as the the next game rolls along th- there's going to be reactions to that again. and we'll see you know um we'll see all the videos out about the people that are going to the ground and 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 and, and as much joy as that will bring and, and i think you know it, it, it's it's a, it's an end, epidemic problem and I, and I think those fans have to look at themselves and sort of think you know am I really am I really um, doing the club justice by by reacting in in, in this way and and you know everyone's entitled to their opinion that's 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 the joy of social media you can share it instantly and with with hundreds of thousands of followers if you so choose to but um you know, it's it is what it is at the end of the day, and 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 we just have to try and move forward together, and as much as as we can do, really. And I think that's, as I said earlier, that's the only way we can move forward in this season is is to to try and stand united as as a as a fan base at the moment. It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. I think you're spot on, and I think that. It's, um... All football fans, unfortunately, or, or some certainly, but across all clubs, have a tendency to uh, to, to have a bit of a meltdown and 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 behave in a, in a rational way. Um, we we do mock Arsenal fan TV because, or or, the, or some of the characters that appear on Arsenal fan TV because they're our rivals and it's funny to do so. Um, and that's fine. I'm absolutely, absolutely fine with that. And a long way that continue, but. Um, sometimes I think we can tend to be a little bit holier than thou about it and think that oh that's just that's just them and and, and we're we're nothing like that. The sad truth is a lot of our fans are are, are not too dissimilar to the ones that appear on Arsenal fan TV, um, and I suspect there are a lot of Arsenal fans that are not representative of the ones that appear on Arsenal fan TV. And Arsenal fan TV do a very good job of finding those. 
shall we say, controversial characters, um, and and giving them uh, a platform to to air their views, and and their views are far more interesting, and make far more. Uh, add far more entertainment value and probably draw, draw more listeners because of their, you know, propensity to <laughs> lose their shit and 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 have a meltdown. Um, I'm sure if you, it, it, there would be pockets of our fans that are unfortunately like that. That that's, I don't like it, um, and I see a lot of it uh, sometimes. It, sometimes in, in the grounds, and and that's really really annoying. Um, sort of leads me on to my next and final question which is from Ed Brad do the panel feel criticising the club and being a fan are mutually exclusive where you go sorry I was going to say I'll let you you take that one I'll let you take that one (laughs) (laughs) no they're not mutually exclusive not at all Mm -hmm. that's it (laughs) (laughs) sorry anything you want to add to that no, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think I don't think you can. I don't think you can band them together. I, I don't think so. I think you have to you have to see these you know these characters and and and, and fan bases. A lot of it is about about making money and, and generating money for personal gain. And and you know it, it can't be it can't be exclusive. It it, it just it just can't be. Yeah. I think there is. Uh... There is a tendency for some fans to um, be overly critical of the team, and then there is a tendency for some ta- fans to be very protective of the team, and then criticise those fans who 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 are critical of 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 a team, and then the fans that are protective get accused of being happy clappers or just you know. Uh, not providing any sort of constructive criticism in, in 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 any way. I like to think that when we do the podcast and and you know a few people I've met in person sometimes at grounds will, will come up and say, oh you know great show etc etc, keep it up all of that sort of thing. Um, I'd like to think that although we're generally quite positive in our outlook, um, that we do provide criticism in a in a constructive way. Um, uh, and and I think that that's the way to do it. And I and I think the 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 way the, the the sort of meltdown that you sort of see on social media, I think, is just it's ridiculous. And I think that within grounds, yesterday I witnessed this um, when Musa Sissoko missed his opportunity. Oh. Most of the fans around me were singing. Um, we're singing his name. We're, we're, we're chanting his name. I, I'm sure there might have been pockets of one or two fans. I did. I didn't hear any that that might not have agreed with that, or might have been thinking, "Oh, don't think his name." He's just, you know. But but the overwhelming majority of the fans were chanting his name. So if there was any dissent, it was drowned out, and that was lovely to see. Unfortunately, when Ericsson was having a little bit of a stinker at certain points in the game, or where Trippier was making mistakes, all you could hear was "Take him off, get him off, fuck off, you can't," blah blah blah, all that sort of thing. And I, I, that I just don't understand. And 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 particularly at a at a, at a football match, you've got to get behind the team. Mm. It's one thing; it's bad enough on social media. Once when you when you're in a match, you, you get behind the team. You lift the players. You provide support. It's what. Being a supporter um, is it? And it doesn't mean to say that you can't criticise them, um, 
of course you can do that. And it doesn't mean to say that you'll see things or you'll pay good money and 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 then see the team team lose and and you'll be you'll be frustrated and and, and angry. That, that's that's understandable. But uh, some of the behaviour I just just find irrational. Um, but uh, football's a passionate game, and uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's going to evoke all sorts of emotions. Right. Um, the next pod that we'll be recording will be uh, only a few days away on Thursday. Part of the reason I'm doing that is because there won't be a podcast. A, it's been a few weeks since, since we've done one until today. Uh, we, there aren't any games at the weekend. Um, with FA Cup weekend and we're not playing. So in light of that, recording one this Thursday. Um, and also it'll be the first proper game in the new stadium. Um, I guess on that occasion, I hope to have John Stiggles with me and uh, Spurs commentator Daniel Wine. Um, but until then, firstly, thank you, David. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks, guys. And until next time, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. Come on, Tottenham, stick it and let go. Come on, Tottenham, the pace so bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its load of nights We've fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen Pull on that lily white and run on to that green Oh, we've seen them come, we've seen them go The names up on our shirt Gods have failed as men are hailed And faces in the dirt Now gather round and sing it out And we'll talk out all the hurt